0: if that felt very Jim Carrey or a little bit like The Shining.
1: I did not plan on it sounding like anyone, but as I was saying it, I sounded like one of the Quades, the one in uh, Independence oh, Day. Oh, yeah, when, the creepy Quade. When he's driving right up into the, like... Yeah, yeah, no, the, you, were like, totally,
0: you were totally Randy Quade. I
1: was so Randy Quade at that moment. It was like, hey, boys, I'm back. back. <laughs> that, that, that's what... Uh, at, like in the middle of the long held yep. word, I went, Wow, this is very independent. No, that is
0: that is exactly that is the moment I was thinking of. You are correct. I don't know why I was I, I was Jim Carrey would has probably well, said stuff was, like that. Before. It was it was a little bit of I was hearing a little bit of the mask. Yes. And I was hearing a little bit of here's
1: Johnny. Oh yeah. Which is very um, seasonal because we are in spooky season. Because it's
0: the spooky season. Yeah. Uh happy Halloween. To those of our audience who um, celebrate the high holy days?
1: Yes, I mean, if you don't, why, I, I doubt you'd be listening to us, you know um,
0: <laughs> the high holy days of, uh, of paganism of and
1: paganism. Uh, witches and spookies and gays, and yeah, so that'd the be, fun the fun
0: things. that'd be uh Halloween, St. Patrick's Day. What? Uh, Cinco Patrick's de Mayo thing
1: is not a pagan holiday. Oh wait, and no, I'm just Cinco de Mayo. I'm just
0: I'm just listening. I'm just <laughs> listing the holidays of sororities and fraternities. Oh, sorry. That's what. I always get those two confused.
1: Ha- Halloween is like the the slutty costumes, uh St. Patrick's Day is green slutty costumes, uh Cinco de Mayo is uh slutty things with a sombrero on it.
0: Yeah, slutty racism. Slutty ra- yes, yeah, sl- yeah.
1: slutty racism. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I saw... Uh, which
0: is the worst kind of racism, really.
1: It really is. Um, I I, uh, I watched a TikTok the other day, um, and it's someone who's been going around to, like, Spirit Halloweens and stuff and taking any of the uh, racist costumes and kicking them under, like, the shelving. So, like, they'll pick up, like, one of the... Um,
0: slutty Pocahontas? Yes,
1: which is exactly the first one I saw. Was it, like, a, or, a um, Native American or, or Indigenous or American? Or slutty
0: Martin Luther King Jr.? <sighs>
1: Uh. you know what's sad is that's probably one of their costumes i'm not gonna lie anything that uh, culturally appropriates um and inherently becomes racist um because of said appropriation so i i appreciate that person like they literally they never show their face they just show the costume drop it on the floor and kick it underneath like a shelving unit so yeah. it just gets lost you know
0: at Ricky's or something yeah
1: uh, Ricky's doesn't exist, <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. anymore that's such a New York cultural reference from the early 2000s <laughs>
0: yeah well to our one listener who gets that joke you're welcome
1: you're welcome uh, Ricky's I think there's one still down on like West 4th or something
0: yeah. what was Colbert's line uh, when he was interviewing Anderson Cooper if you can reach just one person yeah that's really bad for ratings that's really bad
1: for ratings <laughs> uh yeah so uh if we got one of you
0: if we got one of you with that joke
1: we are uh kicking ass all right at sucking <laughs>
0: <laughs> kicking ass at sucking that's not
1: it's like ideal. sucks. yes sucks yes <laughs> sucks yes yeah so we've had a very uh since i got off the ship um my uh contract ended a little bit early um so uh we did some exploring and we saw Beetlejuice, the musical. Go see it now before it closes if you can. And then we also had the pleasure of seeing uh, the previews for the musical Almost Famous.
0: Go see it before it opens oh, if you can. It's going to get really expensive.
1: Yeah, it's so good. Um, uh, uh, young woman I went to, I was in grad school. She was an undergrad. Uh is making her Broadway debut in it, Emily. So she's amazing. She plays the Zoe Day Chanel role. She gets to say the line, "One day you'll be cool," which is just a great line. So yeah, that was super fun. So we had and we did your birthday in New York, yeah. which was great.
0: I, I like that she says, "One day you'll be cool." And then, whether it's the movie or the musical, you then spend the next two hours proving that that is untrue.
1: That he will never be cool. You will
0: never be cool. And being
1: cool is overrated. And that's
0: okay. That's kind of the point. Cool
1: people kind (laughs) of (laughs) suck.
0: If I learned anything in high school, it was nine words of French. But if I learned anything else, it was that... Cool people suck. You
1: learned nine words. I got like four.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I can count to twelve. Oh, so well, there you go. In fairness, okay. I learned more than nine words. Okay. I also can count well past twelve if I really think so. So
1: you're a it, liar.
0: <laughs> so the other thing I learned in high school is how to lie.
1: You learned that in high school? I learned that when I was like four.
0: <laughs> no, I was. I was a good kid. I didn't I lie. I know you were. You I were such lie. a good kid. I was. A good I never like.
1: That's not true. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I never like lied viciously. I'm like that's that's not true. I was I was a mischievous little kid. My parents listen to this; They'll, they will be nodding their head like, yeah,
0: yes. Yeah, but lying mischievously and lying viciously are two very yeah, different. Yeah, I
1: didn't do vicious. I wasn't. I vicious didn't learn anymore. how
0: to lie viciously until high school. Yeah, and now well, I do it for fun.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> it's just the way of adulthood, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, so. So we did, so go check out those shows if you can in New York. And then um, then we went to Philadelphia and we went apartment hunting. Yeah. And guess what, y'all? We have an apartment for the first time since November, well, December 2020.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you are listening to this episode, if you are listening on the day it drops, when you are listening to this episode, there is a very good chance that we are on I-80 on our way to Philadelphia. We're route to right to Phil- now. back to
1: Philadelphia, yeah. Because <laughs> we're loading up the maneuvers are coming to load our stuff up.
0: Yeah. We're uh finally hey, being if we freed have freed
1: from the storage unit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If we have any listeners in Philadelphia, uh congratulations, guys. The oh, Phillies yeah. are going to the World Series. Yep. Um. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then we came back to Iowa and then now we're going back. So But first we got this little
0: Podcast diddly to record. Oh, are
1: we doing a podcast right now? Yeah, we are. Oh. And hey,
0: listeners, um, this is really exciting because for the first time, you and I get to welcome Heather to Clown Corner. Ew. Clown Corner <laughs> is everybody's new favorite segment where I talk about clowns because there's no one here to stop me. Ew. Wait, I no, have been I'm telling you, you no. I have been telling you, dear listener, for weeks that if you want me to stop talking about clowns, all you have to do is write in with something more interesting for us to talk about during this segment, but that hasn't happened yet. Ew, so, I
1: need to listen to the episodes I'm not on. <laughs> clown Corner.
0: Clown Corner, yeah. So this all started Jesus with the Christ. painting that was submitted of Mambo the oh, Clown, yes. and ever since then, I've been doing a brief segment about a new famous clown Ah, uh, yes, every my week.
1: mom sent in a picture, I believe, of a clown that haunted me, um... Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, if you want this segment to stop, please email 5050artsproduction at gmail.com with something better for me to do. I'm
1: going to create a Gmail account.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but until then, this week's oh, clown is named Weary Willie. No! Uh, Weary Willie, uh, and actually- He
1: looks like he just drank a lot of milk. <laughs> <laughs> He just looks like a
0: That is, that is the most <laughs> random accurate description of anything I have ever heard. This man looks like he just drank a lot of milk. It's probably a little too warm out for him to have drank as much milk as he just did.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, and he does not look very well kept. <laughs> he, he looks a little dirty and he's got a white circle around his mouth, so yeah. I can name about three things that he just
0: ate. <laughs> Wow. All right. We'll leave that to your imagination, listener. Uh, So, um, uh, Weary Willie is a character created by circus performer Emmett Kelly. Kelly started out as a cartoonist, but discovered he was able to make more money working in the circus. He eventually became a trapeze artist and then started working on his character, Weary Willie, the clown.
1: Why would you stop doing trapeze to be a creepy clown?
0: Way safer. Oh,
1: much safer. Much safer.
0: <laughs> uh, so he was he was coming up as a clown uh, during the Depression, and he that based, makes
1: sense based on what he looks and like. And
0: he based his clown on the Depression era hobos, and he was a huge hit with audiences during the Great Depression in the United States because they could identify with his character, who wasn't very successful and was really sad about his various comedic failures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Other personal sadnesses that he worked into his act that audiences loved included his divorce. So he just went ahead and put all of his own personal traumas into this clown and audiences loved him.
1: Okay, so he was like he was like a Bill Irwin type clown. Yeah, like a realism clown as opposed to a. Honka, honka, yeah, look at fact, this balloon animal.
0: Um, Many clown historians, because that's a real job.
1: I went to school for the <laughs> wrong fucking thing. Clown historians. I bet they have, still make more money than that. Have, have
0: documented him as being um, revolutionary. This was a huge change from the brightly colored, jubilant circus clowns that most audiences were used to. Now, of course, there were... Um, people like your Charlie Chaplin's already doing it but he was doing that kind of clown in the circus which was weird
1: yeah that's very interesting
0: um he appeared in a number of circuses, most prominently the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, which he joined in 1942 and remained with until he retired in 1956. All right. He appeared in the 1952 Oscar winner for Best Picture, the greatest show on earth. In 1967, he starred in the musical The Clown and the Kids, which was filmed and produced in Bulgaria.
1: The Clown and the Kids? Yep. Was that the prequel to It?
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. He and his son... Emmett Kelly Jr. were briefly estranged because Jr. created his own Weary Willie character. So he basically copied his dad's clown. Now, this was four years after Emmett Kelly Sr. had retired, but he still sort of felt like his son was guilty of trademark infringement. So they became estranged. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. I think that was like the (laughs) nicest thing a kid could do. To be like, I love what you did so much that I want to do it.
0: Yeah. Anyway, they, they did eventually they reconcile. Okay. They did eventually reconcile. He's um, like, Dad,
1: I just really like what you do, and I love milk. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: By the time Emmett Kelly died in Sarasota, Florida at age 80 in 1979, okay. he was the most famous circus clown in the world.
1: All right. Wow. Okay. He sounds like a... Like a cool dude. Right. He doesn't seem like a scary one other than his milk face.
0: Uh. Which is like his picture is a little unsettling. And uh, But now
1: that I know why he looks like that, yeah. it makes sense.
0: Like, and, and listeners, uh, as I've been doing the last few weeks, his picture will be up in the next couple of days on all of our social media. But if you decide you uh, want to see it before then, his name was Emmett Kelly. Just look him up.
1: Emmett Kelly, yeah. Clown Corner. You cannot be trusted without me. No, I really can't. This
0: is what you get for leaving for so long. You left me to my own devices for far too long. I
1: blame. I, and
0: I got bored. I blame
1: you and your brother.
0: Oh yeah, he definitely encouraged oh, me. Oh, of course he, he did. Didn't give a shit,
1: Craig. I know where you live. Actually, but I really, do because you're moving soon too. But
0: really, listener, the only person to be blamed is you. You could have stopped this. You could have stopped this weeks ago, I think but they, you didn't. I think they like it. That's my thinking, <laughs> which is why so e- it's never going to end. Okay,
1: rude. Um. Uh, I, I'm going to make a plea. Uh, email whether, if you want to stop, email and say you want to stop. If you like it, also email and say... I like Clown Corner and keep it around.
0: Yeah. So. Also, know that if uh, if Heather just starts coming up with haunted objects, it can take the place of Clown Corner. Well, so that's also maybe we her. can
1: alternate uh, <laughs> on uh, spooky haunted objects um, and clowns.
0: Spooky haunted objects. <laughs> spooky haunted clowns.
1: Spooky, spooky
0: spooky. But ghost hunting and weird ass clown shit is not what we do on this podcast. Oh, that's
1: right. That's another podcast that doesn't do.
0: No, we are a comedy literature podcast Hi. where we cold read short stories from the public domain and try not to fuck it up.
1: Try being the the key word there.
0: Yeah. We make fun of antiquated penis jokes and occasionally point out antiquated racism because that's less funny.
1: But it's my turn this week, right? To read?
0: Yes. So this week I have selected a story for Heather to read for us.
1: Oh my God. I'm so nervous. It's been
0: but, so long. <laughs> uh, but before we jump into that story, I'm going to read just a few fun facts to give us a little sense of who our author was.
1: All right. So, was. Oh, he died.
0: Well, they died. M- most, most of them, them have. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of.
1: That's kind of why we do this.
0: Why we're able right, to do the public it. public
1: domain. Anyway. Yeah. yeah.
0: Tom Godwin was born in Maryland in 1915. His childhood was rough.
1: As most of our other childhoods were.
0: When he was five years old, he was playing with a gun in the house (gasps) and accidentally shot and killed his little sister.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah. A few years later, his mother died and he was raised by his father with whom he did not get along.
1: Maybe because he shot his
0: sister. It very well could be. Good
1: Lord. Oh my gosh. This is why don't have guns in your house, and if you do, keep them locked up and have the safety on. Thank
0: you. He withdrew from school after third grade because apparently you were allowed to just do that in the 1920s. Oh, yeah. But as a teen and adult, he taught himself all kinds of things to help him with his writing.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Godwin also had kyphosis. Kyphosis is a spinal condition that results in a pronounced curvature that makes it look like you're Hunchback.
1: Okay. So it's like the opposite of scoliosis that makes you like sideways. It's
0: like front to back. Front to back scoliosis instead of side to side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He spent a few months in the army, but he was discharged because his spinal condition was uh, not great. So
1: he's a young hunchback writer. Yeah. Uh,
0: In the early 1960s, Godwin was living in northwestern Arizona with his father, writing science fiction stories and making his own dry washers to sell. A dry washer is basically a desert version of the um, the tools used to pan for gold Uh in the river. Okay. Right. Um, So gold prospectors could go prospecting without needing access to water in the desert. Oh,
1: they could sift sand. Yeah. Oh, okay. So a sifter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but specifically designed for for gold for for, for, panning for gold and other precious metals. In the summer of 1961, he was out trying to sell one of his dry washers when he met a woman named Lariola and her 12-year-old daughter Diane. He soon married L'Ariola and adopted Diane.
1: Aww. Uh, L'Ariola.
0: Yeah, it I think it's like Ariola. Yeah, I know. It looks like it too. It's <laughs> spelled like Ariola with an L at the front.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, no. Her parents did that thing where they're like, we heard this phrase once. Um, I think it'd be a really, really pretty name. name. We're going to name the baby that. And then they actually find out what it means many years later. Yep. And they're like, oopsie. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, he went on to base two of the main characters of his second novel, The Space Barbarians.
1: The Space Barbarians.
0: After his wife and adopted daughter. Aww. He briefly worked for the Forest Service of Washington State.
1: Wow, he got around. Oh,
0: yeah, he was all over the place. He's
1: now been across the whole country. Yep.
0: Uh, his wife died of a heart attack in the early 70s. Obviously, this hit him really hard. Uh, He'd had an on-again, off-again problematic relationship with alcohol for his entire life, and his wife's death sent him into a spiral there. After living with his stepdaughter and her family in Texas for a while, he moved to Nevada. Okay. It was in Las Vegas, where he died in 1980. Okay. He was nearly 40 years old when he published his first short story— and he only lived until he was 65, but in that time he published three novels and around 30 short stories and is credited with making some significant changes to the sci-fi genre thanks to his sometimes controversially dark endings to uh, stories. Oh! Most notably to his 1954 short story, The Cold Equations, which I have decided not to research in case we decide to read that one. Okay, later. sounds good.
1: Uh,
0: today. Well, we know it doesn't end well. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a, a twist dark ending. Okay. Uh, but today you will be reading Cry from a Far Planet, first published in Amazing in September Amazing. 1958. Dear listener, extensive research has been unable to uncover an active copyright to this story as is true for many of these pulp science fiction stories. So, if this is your story, figure your shit out. (laughs) Let's start this fire.
1: Oh, yay! Cry from a Far Planet by Tom Godwin A smile of friendship is a bearing of the teeth. So is a snarl of menace. Oh damn! It can be fatal to mistake the latter for the former.
0: <sighs>
1: Harm an alien being only under circumstances of self-defense. Trust no alien being under any circumstances. <laughs> that is a uh, not part of the story. <laughs> it's part. It then says from exploration ship's handbook. So, oh, that's one of those little. It's it's prequel a prequel. Messages. It's a prequel, but I didn't want to say that um, up front. But that's wow.
0: Also, that's a um, intense first line. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. So now we're either going to get a smile or a snarl. I guess we're going to find out. Ooh. Bow, bow.
0: Or someone's going to mistake one for the other.
1: Most likely. Yeah. He listened in the silence of the exploration ship's control room. He heard nothing, but that was what bothered him. An ominous quiet when there should have been a multitude of sounds from the nearby village for the view screen's audio pickups to transmit. And it was more than six hours past the time when the native thrune should have come to sit with him outside the ship as they resumed the laborious attempt to learn each other's languages. Okay, so they so are we're on the, with, like alien planet right now. And
0: we're dealing with, it's quiet.
1: Too, too quiet. quiet. Yeah. <laughs> the view screen was black in the light of the control room, even though it was high noon outside. The dull red sun was always invisible through the world's thick atmosphere, and to human eyes, full day was no more than a red tinged darkness. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. He switched on the ship's outside floodlights and the view screen came to bright white life, showing the empty glades reaching away between groves of purple alien trees. He noticed absently that the trees seemed to have changed a little in color since his arrival. Oh, well, good to know this alien planet still has seasons. Yeah, it's just fall. It's fall. The village was hidden from view by the outer trees, but there should have been some activity in the broad area visible to him. There was none, not even along the distant segment of what should have been a busy road. The natives were up to something and he knew, from hard experience on other alien worlds, that it would be nothing good. (laughs) It would be another misunderstanding of some kind, and he didn't know enough of their... comprehensible language to ask them what it was.
0: Yeah, it's their fault that you don't understand what's going on.
1: How dare you colonize their planet and then, you know, not speak their language. Rude. Alright, then we have a dash and then a big line and then we have, suddenly as it always came, he felt someone or something standing close behind him and peering over his shoulder.
0: Do they always come suddenly? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Maybe these aliens are known for that.
0: Cool. So long as they give you just a little warning.
1: Apparently not. I mean, I guess... Well, that's rude. Yeah, it's just like, surprise! <laughs> he dropped his hand to the blaster... Oh. He dropped his hand to the blaster he had taken to wearing at all times and whirled. Nothing was behind him. There never was. The control room was empty with no hiding place for anything. And the door was closed, locked by the remote control button beside him. There was nothing. So he just got came on by something and there's...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Ew! Yeah, ghost. there was... Oh my god, oh my it's god. ghost That's, semen. That just reminded me of, We were watching Ghost Hunters... Or no, Ghost Adventures the other night, just as a joke. And I swear to God, uh, what what is what is my favorite podcast call call him
0: uh, Zach Bagel Bites? Zach
1: Bagel Bites was getting a full on like ghost BJ because they had they had this like I don't know what tool they were using, but this thing like crawled up in front of. They don't of the have guy. to
0: use a tool; they have Zach Bagel Bites. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I swear to God, I look over the like I was cooking dinner, and I looked over. I'm like. Is he getting a blowjob from a ghost right now because the thing was like prostrated in front of oh, him. Oh yeah, it definitely And the main di- and the guy was going, "Huh?" I was it, like, it definitely what is looked, looked like he was
0: getting a blowjob from a stick figure. Yes. Is, yeah.
1: Yes. I was like, "What's going on?" So, I guess that's what happened to this guy. So, cool. The sensation of being watched faded as though the watcher had withdrawn to a greater distance. It was perhaps the hundredth time within six days that he had felt this sensation. Ew, that's not comfortable at all. No. So there's definitely also, a ghost.
0: Not for nothing, but uh, like I wouldn't be able to keep going a hundred times in six days. That's that's that like that's really high turnover rate. That's,
1: that is high turnover rate. Well, it didn't say could have been different.
0: Could have been different ghosts. Each different time.
1: ghosts each time. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we don't know if it's the same one. Yeah. Maybe they just this is like a ghost ghost brothel. <laughs> they show up, they do their thing and then they leave. And he does never see them because they get out of there so quick. and then he's like, oh man, I've just left here with this ghost come. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Why am I sticky??
1: <laughs> and when he slept at night, something came to nuzzle at his mind. faceless, formless, utterly alien. For the past three nights, he had not let the blaster get beyond quick reach of his hand, even when in bed. Oh, he's sleeping with a gun. This is going to turn out really well, especially given the uh, author's history. Yep. (laughs) But whatever it was, it could not be on the ship. He had searched the ship twice. A methodical compartment by compartment search that had found nothing. It had to be the work of the natives from outside the ship, except... Why, if the natives were telepathic, did the one called Thrun go through the weary pretense of trying to learn a mutually understandable form of communication? Wait. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. Why, if they're telepathic, would this guy bother trying to learn how to talk to us? He can just send us his thoughts. He can just send us the thoughts. So
1: that doesn't make sense. So he's like, that can't be it. There was one other explanation which he could not accept that he was following in the footsteps of Will Garrett of Ship 9, who had deliberately gone into a white sun two months after the death of his twin brother. What? Going crazy. Is that what a white sun means?
0: No, I think the white sun is literal, but I think what he's saying is... He drove is
1: his ship the, into the yeah, sun.
0: because, like, he, he went, lost he went nuts and he drove his ship into the white sun, and his concern uh, is, that is that he's, he's, he's losing doing the too. same thing. Yeah. Okay.
1: He looked at the chair beside his own, Johnny's chair, which would forever be empty, and his thoughts went back to the old, bitter past. The exploration board had been wrong when they thought the close bond between identical twins would make them the ideal two-man crew for the lonely, lifetime journeys of the exploration ships. Aww. Oh, no. That's really sad.
0: Um... So we're we're dealing with lost siblings.
1: Yeah, and the gun. Identical twins were too close. When one of them died, the other died in part with them. Whew, oh yeah. They had crossed a thousand light years of space together. He and Johnny. When they came to the bleak planet that he would name Johnny's World. Jo- <laughs> It's like Bobby's world, but Johnny's world. <laughs> oh, but Johnny's dead. Uh, Sounds like yeah. He should never have let Johnny go alone up the slope to the honeycombed mountain. Isn't that a song? <laughs> the good old Candy Mountain. Isn't that like a
0: in the big rock Candy, candy mountain. mountain. Yeah. yeah.
1: Honeycomb Mountain. But Johnny had wanted to take the routine record photographs of the black tiger-like beasts, which they had called cave cats, and the things had seemed harmless and shy, despite their
0: ferocious appearance.
1: He just wanted to go go play with the meow-meows. He
0: wanted to go to the kitty cafe.
1: He's like, I just want to go play with the kitty cats. I'll be back. I'm taking them a sack of food that I think they might like, Johnny had said. I want to try and get some good close-up shots of them.
0: Aw, he's just a nature photographer. Johnny's just a
1: nature lover. Ten minutes later, he heard the distant snarl of Johnny's blaster. He ran up the mountainside, knowing already that he was too late. He found two of the cave cats lying there. Johnny had killed them. Then he found Johnny. At the foot of a high cliff, he was dead; his neck broken by the fall. Scattered all around him, from the torn sack, was the food he had wanted to give the cats. Oh, he got fucking grizzlyed. What was the grizzly man? <laughs>
0: yeah, or crocodile huntered.
1: Yeah, well, yes. Uh, yeah.
0: The other Irwin. The
1: other Irwin. <laughs> what? Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin, yes. As
0: opposed to Bill Irwin, the clown we talked about
1: earlier. (laughs) This is the Irwin episode. He buried Johnny the next day while a cold wind moaned under a lead gray sky. He built a monument for him, a little mound of frosty stones that only the wild animals would ever see. A chime rang, high and clear, and the memories were shattered. The orange light above the hyperspace communicator was flashing. The signal that meant the exploration board was calling him from Earth. He flipped the switch and said, Paul Jameson, Exploration Ship One. The familiar voice of Brenda spoke. It's been some time since your preliminary report. Is everything all right? In a way, he answered... I was going to give you the detailed report tomorrow. Give me a brief sketch of it now.
0: <laughs> I like this voice. Yeah. Brender seems...
1: Renderson a big nerd. <laughs> Annoying nerd. Abrasive. Yeah. Except for their short brown fur, the natives are humanoid in appearance, but there are basic differences. Their body temperature is cool, like their climate. Their vision range is from just within the visible red on into the infrared. They'll shade their eyes from the light of anything as hot as boiling in water, but they'll look square into the ship's floodlights and never see them. Huh. "'And their knowledge of science?' "'Brender asked. "'They have a good understanding of it, "'but along lines entirely different "'from what our own were at their stage of development. "'For example, they power their machines with chemicals, "'but there is no steam, heat, or exhaust. "'That's what we want to find, "'worlds where branches of research "'unknown to our science are being explored. "'How about their language?' No progress with it yet. He told Brenda of the silence in the village and added, Even if Thrun should show up, I could not ask him what was wrong. I have learned a few words, but they have so many different definitions that I can't use them. I know, Brender said. Variable and unrelated definitions, undetectable shades of inflection, and sometimes a language that has no discernibly separate words. The singer brothers of Ship Eight ran into the latter. We've given them up as lost.
0: Oh, damn. So they're just losing explorers left yeah, and right by the sounds of it. is not like.
1: good. Um, the singer's dead, he exclaimed. Good God. It's been only a month since the Ramon brothers were killed. Jesus. My God, why do they keep sending twin brothers like up into these
0: things? Maybe there are too many twins on Earth, mm. and they were worried that that would twins over. would take over. They'd form a coalition of. <laughs> twin siblings and, and um,
1: their power, their, their twin power would uh, take everyone down.
0: Yeah. Or they were worried there'd be like a man in the iron mask situation and you'd never be able to know if the person you were talking to was actually the president <laughs> or just someone who looked exactly like him. Yeah.
1: You know, what I always said I would have done if I'd been an identical twin. Fuck with people. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the circumstances were similar, Brender said. They always are. There is no way the exploration men can tell the natives that they mean them no harm, and the suspicion of the natives grows into a dangerous hostility, probably because they know the history of mankind, and when white people show up on your planet, they're probably not happy about it. It's a bad sign. They're like, yeah, we've read uh, your history books down there from Earth. Thanks. The singers reported the natives on the world... To be both suspicious and possessing powerful weapons. The singers were proceeding warily, their own weapons always at hand, but somehow the natives caught them off guard. Their last report was four months ago. Mm. There was a silence, then Brender added, Their ship was the ninth, and we had only fifteen. He did not reply to the implications of Brender's statement. It was obvious to them all what the end of the plan would be, what it had to be.
0: I don't like when things are called The Plan. Yeah. Capital P. It's capital
1: P. That sounds
0: insidious. That
1: sounds like not a good thing.
0: The Plan?
1: The Plan, yeah. Sounds
0: a little too close to The Solution.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm just not a fan.
1: Yeah, yeah. Eek. All
0: right. Final or otherwise, it doesn't have a good <laughs> ring to it. No.
1: It had been only three years since the 15 heavily armed explo... Why are they heavily armed if they don't mean any harm to these people?
0: <laughs> you never know what you're going to run into.
1: Well, yes, but I'm saying, like, no, maybe it's don't like, show up with your weapons at hand. You know, you're
0: it's like-, like how I have a bazooka and an AK-47 for self-defense. I'm not going to go hurt anyone with it. I just, like, need to make sure that everyone knows that I'm protected.
1: Um, I think you might be making a social commentary. And right that there. my
0: penis is enormous.
1: <laughs> so you drive a big fucking Hummer too.
0: No, I bought a tank.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Use tank surplus.
1: Sweet. Yeah. Gotta love a surplus store.
0: Yeah. You can get anything on Craigslist.
1: <laughs> Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> So, okay, so they've got heavily armed exploration ships. Um, okay. It only been three years since the 15 heavily armed exploration ships set out to lead the way for Terran expansion across the galaxy. To answer a cry from far planets and to find all the worlds that held intelligent life.
0: This that, is a great way to spend money.
1: Yeah, very good like, way to spend money.
0: I would be all for
1: uh, intergalactic
0: exploration.
1: Uh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: sure we can find some people who are smarter than us out there.
1: Well, I'm also sure there's some people on Earth with way more money than they need, so. yeah. That was the ultimate goal of The Plan. To accumulate and correlate all the diverse knowledge of all the intelligent life forms in the galaxy. Among the achievements resulting from that tremendous mass of data would be a ship's drive faster even than hyperspace. The third level drive, which would bring all the galaxies of the universe within reach. All right, so now it's it's like a, a jump, like a yeah, they
0: just, jump speed. or They, they just want to drive faster.
1: Because <laughs> they need to sh- remind people how big their penises are. Yeah, yeah. big
0: guns, big cars. Yep. That's,
1: that's how we roll. <laughs> America. Nice I'm sorry, know- Terra.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? That right there would be a huge step forward. If we could get together as a planet to be proud of our penis size instead of as a nation to be proud of our penis size, that would be a huge be step. a huge
1: step. You know, I, uh, you're right. <laughs> and now nine ships were gone out of 15 and 19 men out of 30. Well, that's why you should have sent women up there. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Stop being sexist fuckers and, you know, you know, hire people.
0: Sisters. I would have sent couples up,
1: because then people could be bang, bang, banging in, and they're probably happier, and yeah. then they won't or less likely to go crazy, you know. Anyway. <laughs> the communication barrier, Brender said. The damned communication barrier had been the cause behind the loss of every ship, and there is nothing we can do about it. We're... St- we're st- steam, steamed? Steamed? Stymied? Stymied? What the fuck that mean?
0: To stymie. To prevent or hinder the progress of.
1: That makes sense. We're stymied by it. The conversation was terminated shortly after, and he moved about the room restlessly, wishing it was time to lift ship again. With Johnny not there, the dark world was like a smothering tomb. He would like to leave it behind and drive again into the star clouds of the galaxy, drive on and on into them. A ghostly echo touched his mind, restless, poignantly yearning. He swung to face the locked door, knowing there would be nothing behind it. The first real fear came to him as he did so. The thing was lonely. The thing that watched him was as lonely as he was. It's his brother. It's his brother's ghost. Yeah. I was like, it's his brother. He's like, yeah. What else could any of it be but the product of a mind in the first stage of insanity? Or it could be a fucking ghost. <laughs>
0: yeah. We're, we're going to go with your brother's ghost or you're crazy.
1: Or you, you're losing it because you're, you know, you're sitting alone on this. In this ship watching people (laughs) like watching these aliens like live their life. The natives came ten minutes later. The view screen showed their chemically powered vehicle emerge from the trees and roll swiftly across the glade. Four natives were in it, while a fifth one lay on the floor, apparently badly injured. Uh Uh-oh.
0: That's never a good sign. Not
1: good. The vehicle stopped at a short distance in front of the airlock and he recognized the native on the floor. It was Thrune, the one of whom he had been exchanging language lessons. They were waiting for him when he emerged from the ship, pistol-like weapons in their belts and grim accusation in their manner. Thrune was muttering unintelligibly, unconscious. His skin, where not covered by brown fur, was abnormal in appearance. He was dying. So these are Ewoks. <laughs> little little brown furry. Little brown. Somewhere
0: somewhere between Ewoks and Wookies. E-
1: yeah. Oh, that's I, yeah, like it's not as tall as a Wookiee. Yeah. But not as tiny as an Ewok. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the 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 happy medium.
0: Have I said on the podcast before? Um so initially the Ewoks were all supposed to be Wookies. But George Lucas decided that he liked the wookies enough that he wanted a major character who was a wookiee.
1: Okay. So,
0: so he turned to be. so he turned Chewbacca from a like more human character into a wookiee. A wookiee. And then he chopped the wookies in half, flipped the word around, and from wookiee we got Ewok.
1: Oh shit. I never knew that. That is amazing. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so this guy's dying. <laughs> Speaking of Ewok Wookiees, the leader of the four indicated Thrune and said in a quick, brittle voice, Great.
0: And that's what the aliens talk like now.
1: <laughs> At least it's not French. Uh, <laughs>
0: Oh, good. It's easier...
1: (laughs) When it's a, like, made-up science science fiction language. It's
0: easier for you to accurately pronounce words that don't exist.
1: Than French. Absolutely. (laughs) I think anyone, any loyal listener of this podcast will agree with that. (laughs) Only one word was familiar. Co, which meant you, and yesterday, and a great many other things. (laughs) The question was utterly meaningless to him. He dropped his hand a little nearer his blaster as the leader spoke again, a quick succession of unknown words that ended with a harsh, demanding, CRISON! <laughs> that sounded French. <laughs> CRISON! meant now or very quickly. Oh, I got it. It sounded like I said now or very quickly. That's funny. Like, schnell. Like, move it! <laughs> All the other words were unfamiliar to him. They waited, the grim menace about them increasing when he did not answer. He tried in vain to find some other way of explaining to them that he was not responsible for Thrun's sickness and could not cure it. Then he saw the spray of leaves that had caught on the corner of the vehicle when it came through the farther trees. They were a deep purple color. All the trees around the ship were almost gray by contrast, which meant he was... Responsible for Thrun's condition. It's like he bringing, like, white man disease to the natives. I mean, sort of radiation s- some smallpox and shit and fuck. The cold white light of the ship's floodlights under which he and Thrun had sat for day after day contained radiations that went through the violet and far into the ultraviolet. To the animal and vegetable life of the dark world, such radiations were visibly short and deadly. Thrun was dying of hard radiation sickness. That's fucked up. This is
0: a not subtle uh, indictment of,
1: of the uh, history of Of colonization, yeah. It was something he should have foreseen and avoided, and that would not have happened had he accepted Old Thrun's pantomimed invitation in the beginning to go with him into the village to work at the language study. There, he would have used a harmless battery lamp for illumination, but there was no certainty that the natives were not planning to lay a trap for him in the village, and he had refused to go. It did not matter. There was a complex radiation neutralizer and cell reconstructor in the ship, which would return Thrun to full normal health a few hours after he was placed in its chamber. He turned to the leader of the four natives and motioned from Thrun to the airlock. Go. There, he said in the native language. Run, the leader answered. The word meant no, and there was a determination in the way he said it that showed he would not move from it. At the end of five minutes, his attempts to persuade them to take Thrun into the ship had increased their suspicion of his motives to the point of critical danger. If only he could tell them why he wanted Thrun taken into the ship. But he could not, and would have to take Thrun by first disposing of the four without injuring them. This he could do by procuring one of the paralyzing needle guns from the ship. Oh no, he's going to fucking like... He's going to try to... He's he's going to try to
0: them? He's going
1: to tranquilize gun these fuckers. He took a step toward the ship and spoke the words that to the best of his knowledge meant, I come back. Feshwin ikala. Their reply was to snatch at their weapons in desperate haste, even as the leader uttered a hoarse word of command. He brought up the blaster with a quick motion that long training had perfected and their weapons were only half drawn when his warning came. "Brawn," That means no. (laughs) Look, I learned learned the language. Yeah, you're learning
0: faster than they did.
1: Yeah, I'm learning faster than they did and uh, also easier than French. Uh, They froze but did not release their weapons. He walked backward to the airlock his blaster covering them the tensely waiting manner in which they watched his progress telling him that the slightest relaxation of his vigilance would mean his death he did not let the muzzle of the blaster waver until he was inside the airlock and the outer door had slid shut he was sure that the natives would be gone when he returned and he was sure of another thing that whatever he had said to them it was not what he had thought he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was saying, uh, I I'll come back. He said, I'll come in your mouth.
0: <laughs> your mother.
1: <laughs> I fucked your mother. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> it was, your mom is so hairy. <laughs>
1: Your mom is so hairy that Although I
0: suppose they're mostly hairy, so it would be your mom is so bald.
1: Your mom Your mom is so bald. She I don't know how to finish that joke. Your mom is so bald that she looks like a human. Uh, <laughs> Alien humor. <laughs> All right, so he did it's not a dumb joke. <laughs> he did not say what he thought he was saying is was yeah. what he assumes. He saw that the glade was empty when he opened the airlock again. At the same time, a bomb-like missile struck the ship just above the airlock and exploded with a savage crash. That's not good.
0: No, that's... That's
1: that's not good.
0: No, I'm going to go with, um, that's not an overture for peace.
1: Nope, nope. He jabbed the close button and the door clicked shut barely in advance of three more missiles which hammered at its impervious armor. So that, he thought wearily, is that. <laughs> hey, it's like our weary ghosts, yep. Or our, our, weary, ghosts, our, our weary, weary ghost. Our weary clown. All
0: right. So that is now Head Cannon. What's his name? Paul Jameson is Weary Willie.
1: Oh, okay. I'm into it. So he thought that was that. He laid the useless needle gun aside. He's like, yeah, this tranquilizer idea did not work out. Nope. Uh, the stage was passed when he could hope to use it. He could save Thrun only by killing some of the others, or he could lift the ship and leave Thrune to die. Either action would make the natives hate and fear Terrans, a hatred and fear that would be there to greet all future Terran ships. That was not the way a race gave birth to peaceful Galactic Empire. <laughs> was not the purpose behind the plan. But always, wherever the exploration men went, they encountered the deadly barrier— the intangible, unassailable communication barrier. With the weapons and exploration man carried in his ship, he had the power to destroy a world, but not the power to ask the simple questions that would prevent fatal misunderstandings. That's what I said. I'm like, why are they showing up with these fucking like armored like warships, but they have not trained these people in like linguistics? Well,
0: it's why it's why you hire language experts.
1: Like like my friend who worked for the army, he was like a linguist for yeah. the army. Uh, I think he spoke like 18 languages fluently, and so basically he could learn any other language so quickly.
0: It's a major part of the premise of the movie Stargate. Oh, really? Yeah. James Spader's character mm-hmm. is an Egyptologist and uh, linguist. Okay. Um.
1: And that's why he's sent... And
0: so, so they bring him on to not only help figure out how to work the Stargate, but once they go across, he goes through because they figure he's the best chance they have of communicating Communicating. with whoever they find on the other side. I
1: mean, that makes sense. Well, that's like, don't show up with a warship, show up with a scientist and a linguist. Yeah. It's just like, dude, like, did they, they, clearly the plan did not think this through.
0: Nope.
1: So they cannot communicate, and there are fatal misunderstandings. And before another three years had passed, the last exploration man would die. The last exploration ship would be lost. He felt the full force of hopelessness for the first time. When Johnny had been alive, it had been different. Johnny, who had laughed whenever the outlook was the darkest and said, we'll find a way, Paul. The thought broke as suddenly, unexpectedly, he felt that Johnny was very near. Yep. Here comes Ghost Brother! <laughs> With the feeling came the soft enclosure of a dreamlike peace in which Johnny's death was vague and far away, only something that had happened in another dream. He knew, without wondering why, that Johnny was in the control room. A part of his mind tried to reject the thought of an illusion. He did not listen. He did not want to listen. He ran to the ship's elevator. St- stumbling like one not fully awake. Johnny was waiting for him in the control room. Alive. Alive. Wait, what?
0: So that's not he saw him there. That was as he's going to the control room, he's sure he's going to get there and find Johnny alive. He thinks
1: he's going to find him alive. Okay. 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 He spoke as he stepped into the control room. Johnny... Something moved at the control board, black and alien, standing tall as a man on short hind legs. Yellow eyes blazed in a feline face. It was a cave cat like the ones that had killed Johnny. How'd the kitty cat get in there? Realization was a wrenching shock and a terrible disillusionment. Johnny was not waiting for him, not alive. He brought up the blaster, the dreamlike state gone. The paw of the cave cat flashed out and struck the ship's master light switch with a movement faster than his own. The room was instantly totally dark. Oh, that's not good. You don't want to be you don't want to be in a pitch dark room with a fucking like cougar. Well, well, I guess depends on what kind of cougar.
0: Depends on the cougar. <laughs>
1: He fired, and pale blue fire lanced across the room to reveal that the cave cat was gone. He fired again, quickly and immediately in front of him. The pale beam revealed only the ripped metal floor. I am not where you think. The word spoke clearly in his mind, but there was no directional source. He held his breath. He held his breath. <laughs>
0: Sometimes you just need to.
1: Sometimes you just got to hold your boob. Like, it's going to be okay. He held his breath, listening for the whisper of padded feet as the cave cat flashed in for the kill and made a swift analysis of the situation. The cave cat was telepathic and highly intelligent. I mean, that is my first assumption, you know, that the, uh, the uh, mountain lion is definitely telepathic. Well,
0: the mountain lion that just communicated to you in your brain and said, I am not where you think. Yeah. I'm going to go with, yeah, that's a telepathic kitty cat.
1: Yeah. I wish Lyna could, I wish my kitty cat could like zoom messages into me. It'd basically be like, stop picking me up. Feed me, bitch. Um, yeah. Cuddle me down. Now leave me alone. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Fuck off.
0: Yep. That's it. <laughs> Rub my belly. No, not my belly. My belly. No, not Not my my belly. belly.
1: Fuck (laughs) off. Scratch, scratch. The cave cat was telepathic and highly intelligent and had been on the ship all the time. It and the others had wanted the ship and had killed Johnny to reduce opposition to the minimum. He himself had been permitted to live until the cave cat learned from his mind how to operate the almost automatic controls. Now he had served his purpose. You are wrong. Again, there was no way he could determine the direction from which the thought came. He listened again and wondered why it had not waylaid him at the door. Its thought came. I had to let you see me or you would not have believed I existed. It was only here that I could extinguish all lights and have time to speak before you killed me. I let you think your brother was here. There was a little pause. I am sorry. I am sorry. I should have used some other method of luring you here. Yeah. yeah. He swung the blaster toward what seemed to be a faint sound near the astrogate... The astrogator? <laughs> it's a gator with, uh... Space, with, space gator. Space gator. Uh, or a... a I am I'm imagining a gator with, um, like fire blasters attached to it. It's like, (laughs) Astrogator!
0: Astrogator is the pilot of a spaceship. Oh. So, probably the autopilot.
1: The autopilot. He swung the blaster toward what seemed to be a faint sound near the Astrogator unit across the room. We did not intend to kill your brother. He did not believe it and did not reply. When we made first telepathic contact with him... "'He jerked up his blaster and fired. "'In his mind was the conviction "'that we had pretended to be harmless animals "'so that we could catch him off guard and kill him. "'One of us leaped at him as he fired the second time "'to knock the blaster from his hand. "'We needed only a few minutes in which to explain, "'but he would not trust us that long. "'There was a misjudgment of distance "'and he was knocked off the cliff.' Again, he did not reply. We did not intend to kill your brother, the thought came. But you do not believe me. This this just took a weird turn. It's
0: it's unsettling. But at least this one can talk to you.
1: Yeah, it's true. At least this one speaks your language, I guess. (laughs) He spoke for the last time. No, I don't believe you. You are physically like cats, and cats don't misjudge distances.
0: <laughs> that is not true.
1: <laughs> they misjudge distances all the time. They just always land on their feet.
0: <laughs> there are some hilarious videos on YouTube that oh, prove...
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you want something for me before you try to kill me too. What is it? I will have to tell you of my race for you to understand. We call ourselves the Varn. In so far as it can be translated into spoken word, we are a very old race. In the beginning we did not live in caves, but there came a long period of time, for thousands of years, when the climate on our world was so violent that we were forced to live in caves. It was completely dark there, but our sense of smell became very acute, together with sufficient sensitivity to temperature changes that we could detect objects in our immediate vicinity. There were subterranean plants in the caves, and food was no problem. We had always been slightly telepathic, and it was during our long stay in the caves that our intelligence and telepathic powers became fully developed. We had only our minds. Physical science is not created in dark caves with clumsy paws.
0: (laughs) Our paws were only good for knocking glasses of water (laughs) off
1: countertops. (laughs) And apparently pushing people off cliffs. Well,
0: and pushing people off cliffs, people are mostly water, and a cliff is just nature's countertop.
1: There you go. That's true. That's true. The time finally came when we could leave the caves, but it was of little help to us. There were no resources on our world but earth and stone and the thin grass of the plains. We wandered about the universe, and we knew the stars were distant suns, because one of our own suns became a star each winter. We studied as best we could, but we could see the stars only as the little wild animals saw them. There was so much we wanted to learn, and by then we were past our zenith and already dying out. But our environment was a prison from which we could never escape. When your ship arrived, we thought we might soon be free— We wanted to ask you to take some of us with you and arrange for others of your race to stop by on our world. But you dismissed us as animals, useful only for making warm coats, because we lived in caves and had no science, no artifacts, nothing. You had the power to destroy us, and we did not know what your reaction would be when you learned we were intelligent and telepathic. A telepathic race must have a high code of ethics and never intrude unwanted. But would you have believed that? He did not answer. The death of your brother changed everything. You were going to leave so soon that there would be no time to learn more about you. I hid on the ship so I could study you and wait until I could prove to you that you needed me. Now I can. Thrun is dying, and I can give you the proper words of explanation that will cause the others to bring him into the ship.
0: Because he can read... Yeah. The minds of the other yeah. aliens. So and he knows give their language. The words. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Your real purpose? What is it? He asked. To show you that men need the Varn. You want to explore the galaxy? Because oh, uh, we are kitty cat linguists.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can be your universal translator. We're,
1: we're like we're like your TARDIS. <laughs> and
0: your kitty cats.
1: And you get to kim yum meow. meow. <laughs> "'You want to explore the galaxy and learn. "'So do the Varn. "'You have the ships, and we have the telepathic ability "'that will end the communication problem. "'Your race and mine can succeed only if we go together.'" He searched for the true and hidden purpose behind the Varn proposal and saw what it would have to be. "'The long-range goal. You failed to mention that. "'Your ultimate aim.'" "'I know what you are thinking. "'How can I prove you wrong now?' "'There was no way for Varn to prove him wrong, "'nor for him to prove the treachery behind the Varn proposal. "'The proof would come only with time, "'when the Terran-Varn cooperation "'had transformed Terrans into a slave race. "'The Varn spoke again. "'You refuse to believe I am sincere?' I would be a naive fool to believe you. It will be too late to save Throon unless we act very quickly. I have told you why I am here. There is nothing more I can do to convince you but be the first to show trust. When I switch on the lights, it will be within your power to kill me. The Varn was gambling its life in a game in which he would be gambling the plan and his race. It was a game he would end at the first sound of movement from an astrogator unit across the room. I have been here beside you the whole time. A furry paw brushed his face, claws flicked gently but grimly reminding across his throat. He whirled and fired. "'He was too late. "'The Varn had already leaped silently away, "'and the beam found only the bare floor. "'Then the lights came on, "'glaringly bright after the darkness, "'and he saw the Varn. "'It was standing by the control board, "'its huge yellow eyes watching him. "'He brought the blaster into line with it, "'his finger on the firing stud. "'It waited, not moving or shrinking from what was coming.' The translucent golden eyes looking at him and beyond him as though they saw something not in the room. He wondered if it was in contact with its own kind on Johnny's <laughs> on Johnny's world. <laughs> do, 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 do. He wondered if it was in contact with its own kind on Johnny's world and was telling them it had made the gamble for high stakes and had lost. It was not afraid, not asking for mercy. The killing of it was suddenly an act without savor. It was something he would do in the immediate future, but first, he would let it live long enough to save Thrun. He motioned with the blaster and said, Lead the way to the airlock, and afterward you will kill me. Lead the way, he repeated harshly. It said no more, but went obediently past him and trotted down the corridor like a great black dog it's a puppy kitty <laughs> he stood in the open airlock the varn against the farther wall where he had ordered it to stand thrun was in the radiation chamber and he had wait
0: oh so there's been a time jump there's a
1: big time jump okay <laughs> so they communicated good job uh thrun is now being fixed okay great sweet Thrun was in the radiation chamber, and he had held his first intelligible conversation with the natives that day. The Varn was facing into the red-black gloom outside the lighted airlock, where the departing natives could be heard crossing the glade. Their thoughts no longer hold fear and suspicion, it said. The misunderstanding is ended. Yay. Yay, Varr. They should probably not kill these people. Good good negotiators. They know what's up. (laughs) He raised the muzzle of the blaster in his hand. The black head lifted and the golden eyes looked up at him. I made you no promise, he said. I could demand none. I can't stop to take you back to your own world, and I can't leave you alive on this one. With what you've learned from my mind, you would have the natives build the Varn, a disintegrator-equipped space fleet equal to our own ships. We only want to go with you. He told it what he wanted it to know before he killed it, wondering why he should care. I would like to believe you are sincere, and you know why I don't dare to. Trusting a telepathic race would be too dangerous. The Varn would know everything we knew, and only the Varn would be able to communicate with each new alien race. We would have to believe what the Varn told us. We would have to trust the Varn to see for us and speak for us and not deceive us when we went across the galaxy. And then, in the end, Terrans would no longer be needed except as a subject race. They would be enslaved. We would have laid the groundwork for an empire, the Varn Empire. There was a silence in which his words hung like something cold and invisible between them. Then the Varn asked very quietly, Why is the plan failing? You already know, he said, because of the barrier, the communication barrier that causes aliens to misunderstand the intentions of exploration men and fear them. There is no communication barrier between you and I, yet you fear me and are going to kill me. I have to kill you. You represent a danger to my race. Isn't that the same reason why aliens kill exploration men? He did not answer, and its thought came quickly. How does an exploration man appear to the natives of alien worlds? How did he appear? He landed on their world in a ship that could smash it into oblivion. Thank you! Don't ride the warships! He stepped out of the ship carrying weapons that could level a city. He represented irresistible power for destruction, and he trusted no one and nothing. And in return, he hoped to find welcome and friendship and cooperation. There, the Varn said, is your true barrier your own distrust and suspicion. You, yourselves, create it on each new world. Now you are going to erect it between my race and yours by killing me and advising the exploration board to quarantine my world and never let another ship land there. Again there was silence as he thought of what the Varn had said and of what it had said earlier. We are a very old race. There was wisdom in the Varn's analysis of the cause of the plan's failure, and with the Varn to vanquish the communication stalemate, the new approach could be tried. They could go a long way together, men and Varn. A long, long way. Or they could create the Varn Empire, and how could he know which it would be? How could anyone know, except the telepathic Varn? The muzzle of the blaster had dropped, "'and he brought it back down. "'He forced the dangerous indecision aside, "'knowing he would have to kill the Varn at once "'or he might weaken again, "'and said harshly to it, "'The risk is too great. "'I want to believe you, "'but all your talk of trust and good intentions "'is only talk, "'and my race would be the only one that had to trust.' "'He touched the firing stud "'as the last thought of the Varn came. "'Let me speak once more.' "'He waited.' "'the firing stud cold and metallic under his finger. "'You are wrong. "'We have already set the example of faith in you "'by asking to go with you. "'I told you we did not intend to hurt your brother, "'and I told you we saw the stars "'only as little wild animals saw them. "'The years in the dark caves, you do not understand.' The eyes of the varn looked into his and beyond him, beautiful, expressionless, like polished gold. The varn are blind. The end. Ooh. What happened? <laughs> Did he kill
0: him? We don't know. I think he did. We don't know. Yeah,
1: we don't know. We
0: don't know. It's, it ends with the gun drawn and the Varn making his final plea.
1: Yeah. And we, we didn't mis- mean to kill your we brother. We misjudged
0: the distance. We literally couldn't see the edge of the, sh- the cliff.
1: The cliff, yeah.
0: And then we end with the gun raised, the Varn making his plea, blackout. We don't know what comes next.
1: I don't like that at all. We we
0: have to hope for the the best from humanity. I'm
1: gonna guess humanity fucked it up because we're really really good at that. <laughs> um, well that that was that was an interesting one. That was different than, and yeah, very very dark. It has yeah. a very like
0: there was a brood to it, yes. especially as as it went on.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm 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 happy Thrun's gonna make it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, he came out okay. The natives are
1: pleased. The natives had to communicate. See, that's why you don't kill the kitty cat meow meows. Yeah, don't kill the don't kill the telepathic blind kitty cat meow meows.
0: No, or any kitty cat meow meow.
1: And shit, if they're like, if they can like bring the universe together, who cares if you're like a lower race after that? Yeah, like fuck it. Well, it's Did you really think you were going to go out and t- well, yes, cuz earthlings suck. Like, i was going to say did you really think you were going to go out and think you were the ultimate race of all be of the, the universe supreme beings? Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, that's such an arrogant like like human like concept of it's, of course we're the smartest people in the universe.
0: Well, it's it's a very um It is a consistent quality shown throughout human history that explorers assume that what they are bringing to the table is more valuable. Yeah. Or at least um, on a higher level intellectually. Well. More deserving of power. There
1: was also some language in there that was very... uh Because as we've talked about, sci-fi is always actually a political statement. Yeah. Um, This
0: one was not, not, not veiled. Not
1: veiled, but it was veiled in the fact they made them cats. Um, But they were looked upon as lower because they, you know, didn't, they don't have stuff.
0: Because the way, because the, the way they had advanced was different. Yeah. Um, And it's like when. didn't place value on military strength. Yeah.
1: It's like when, like. When explorers come on, come upon um, primitive tribes and they're like, we can fix you. And they're like, no, we're good. Thanks, though. Like, like, why is their way of life less than yours? Because explorers always think that their life, their way of life is better and they can fix it. So, yeah. So when you run across a race that doesn't want to be fixed and like doesn't need to be fixed.
0: Then they become a threat.
1: Then they become a threat. Yeah. And that's where we are in the world.
0: Hello. So what did you think, listener? Did you enjoy that story? What do you feel threatened by? Furry natives? big black cats? Clowns? clowns.
1: I knew it was going. On. It's like, clowns.
0: And who's your favorite Irwin, Bill or Steve?: Oh yeah. That's what I really want to know.:
1: Yeah. Who's your favorite
0: Irwin? <laughs>
1: Bill or Steve? <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> uh, write in and let us know your thoughts on all of these things. Uh, and let us know if you are more interested in haunted objects or in clown corner, or if what you really want is to swap back and forth week to week. Um when you shoot in those messages to 5050HoursProduction at gmail.com or any of our social media, we're really easy to find. Just look for Campfire Classics Podcast. Uh, answer those questions and include this week's secret passcode so that we know you actually listened. And this week's secret passcode is ghost semen.
1: <laughs> did we ever actually say ghost semen?
0: I did like did four times. ghost come. Ghost cum. Fine. It's ghost cum. <laughs>
1: Because he came behind him. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, ghost semen. go ghost You know come. what? Whatever. Go send us ghost something giz, blah, blah. <laughs> All
0: right. This week's secret passcode is Ghost Gizalak. <laughs> I wanna know how you spell it too. So Get in ghost,
1: touch with get in Ghost touch with, Get in touch with the barn and they'll explain. <laughs> <laughs> explain yes spell it
0: god no wonder we have language barriers
1: yeah i have uh, my own language barrier every day with myself so. <laughs>
0: uh, well that's all the business anything before we say goodbye
1: um no i'm good all right i think that i think that's i think that's
0: it all right well then until next week this has been campfire classics where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf i mean in your
1: head Yes, I am. Feed me.
0: Say goodnight, Gracie.
1: (laughs)